Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have another exciting DC interview for you from my time in Washington, DC in January with my good friend, Jeff Hunt. Now, I've talked to you about my time at Westmont College and the pathetic excuse for a Christian college that university is, amongst many others, who cave on almost every major Orthodox issue, but almost always life. Colorado Christian University is one of the most pro-life Christian colleges in the country, right up there with Oklahoma Wesleyan University, when we had our good friend Dr. Everett Piper on the show as well. Well, Jeff Hunt serves as the director of the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University that exists to advocate in the public political sphere for righteousness and for Judeo-Christian values. And pro-life is at the very top of their priorities at Centennial Institute. Uh, this is a uh, about as different of a college as you could get from Westmont College and these progressive woke Christian universities. My wife is actually an alumni of Colorado Christian University, so we have great respect for them. Jeff Hunt and I talk about a lot. We talk about natural law. We talk about the importance of the church contending in the political sphere. We talk about the ignorance of the American populace and the church in not understanding our form of government, a constitutional republic, how it works, and how to actually contend and make your voice heard in our form of government. We talk about the long game, why we've been losing the fight for life and liberty, and the patience and commitment we need to have to take back the country for life and liberty. But all of that begins in the womb. It all starts with our failure to protect the preborn child. So sometimes people say, Seth, why are you talking about these other issues? Are you starting to become just a political hack? No, listen, it all actually plays together. We're not going to be able to secure the right to life in the long run for the reborn if we cannot give a defense of the natural law and rights that these rights are built upon. We have to go back to those foundational fundamental principles if we're going to take back the country for the pre-born and the posterity of the country. We get into all of that and more. It's going to bless you. Buckle up, you're in for a treat, my friend Jeff Hunt, the director of the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. <laughs> Jeff Hunt, welcome to the show, brother. Seth, great to be with you, man. <laughs> you too, man. Rockstar. It's Seth uh, It's it's been a long time coming. I've always wanted to do something with you, but um, our stories kind of go back uh, even further. So the listeners <laughs> of this podcast, Jeff, are are largely pro-life Christians who have always been pro-life, but they're they're not activists. That's why this podcast and show has been a blessing to me. Yeah, we have some activists that listen, sure. But it's been a blessing because it's grown organically through churches I've spoken in and opportunities that I've had with with wonderful, fiery leaders that have bigger platforms like than me, like Pastor Jack Hibbs and Pastor Rob McCoy and Charlie Kirk and stuff. So yes. people who are pro-life Christians and they're like kind of been reawakened in the last season of like the importance of life is that prerequisite, right? right. But they're not like necessarily political activists. Mm -hmm. And so th this show has just been a, an opportunity for me to develop my content and focus on life as well as to bless, disciple, and train up Christians to treat this as the litmus test of the Republic, as the number one moral issue of our day, as our civil rights issue. Um, and so I talk a lot about the position we're in and how we got here. And a lot of that has to do with the church. Mm -hmm. Why is the church so silent? And a lot of it has to do with Christian academia too, because yep. many of the reason the pro-life movement hasn't had the church on its side 
is because we've never had the pastors on our side. Yeah. The reason we've never had the shepherds on our side is because we've never had the institutions that educate the next generation of pastors on our side, which is why there's very little, if any, substantive, serious pro-life discipleship and training that happens in Christian seminaries and undergraduate colleges. Mm -hmm. So this is how it kind of all circles in with you. We met at Westmont College when I was still right. an undergraduate student, and you had come in to share a little bit with one of your friends who was a professor there. I was the president of the Pro-Life Club, and then we connected later when I graduated with some of the stuff you do at Centennial Institute. So I just wanted to frame that. That's why we brought my friend Jeff Hunt onto the show. But firstly, before we talk about Colorado Christian University and the Centennial Institute, which is this wonderful example and almost exception of political engagement for righteousness within Christian academia... Yeah. Who are you, brother? What's your story? <laughs> well, thanks. Sounds great to have you, man. I'm a huge fan. Uh, you are going places, and it's so excited to be with you. Um, it's going to be fun to watch you really uh, help shape this nation as well. So I uh, grew up in Colorado, was not a believer until I was 16. In fact, wow. I was pro-choice. I have an op-ed coming out tomorrow uh, on this with CBN. Nice. Um, pro-choice, you know, I these religious right-wing radicals preventing equality and feminism from right, right. Uh, coming into uh, fullness. And so that's kind of where I was. I was having a fight with my mom who actually uh, was in a room when an abortion took place. And Whoa. she was, was pro-choice until she saw it. Really? Tell, tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, so she was a nurse in New York City. Uh, wow. And she grew up Roman Catholic, but kind of you know went her own way. And so she's in the room when an abortion takes place. And she goes, that's murder. That's totally murder and quit that day. Gnarly. And it was like, they won't have anything to do with it anymore. 70, and this was 70s? Yeah, late, uh, early 70s. Right so, after Roe. Yeah, right around when uh, Roe's taking place in New York City. So we, we were having this fight stuff. So I, I was pro choice wow. and came to know Christ through Young Life because um, I was one of those kind of wild guys. Yeah. So I was throwing big parties and my parents said, you're either going to go to military school or this thing called Young Life they had heard about. So they shouldn't. Which has gone woke now, by the way. Really <laughs> it's got its issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I uh, uh, had kind of a big Christ life-changing moment yeah, yeah, and yeah. decided to follow Christ. And when you do that, your whole life changes. And, and when you accept Christ into your heart, you, you have his eyes. And mm -hmm. one of the things you see is you see the sanctity of life from a yeah. different perspective. And right. so I uh, went to Westmont, went to Fuller Seminary, which... <laughs> that actually made me a conservative. Okay, a lot of people don't know this. So I go to Fuller and I'm going to be a pastor. I'm okay. working at Beller Presbyterian Church in, in Los Angeles. I'm very happy to be, a, and we run into this professor. And I actually have a funny story with Al Mohler about this one time. Because um, this professor was fired by Al Mohler for being so woke. And uh, Al apologized to me because I take, I, I'm, I study under this guy named Glenn Stassen at Fuller okay. Theological Seminary. And he, he, it's all rich Christians in an age of hunger and liberation theology. Right, yeah. He sits on the board of Sojourners, mm -hmm. which is Jim Wallace and all this stuff. And I'm, I don't know any of this. So I'm sitting there going, well, people that own businesses aren't evil, <laughs> right? They provide jobs. And they, they're like, this good. And they yeah, yeah. risk their own capital and all this stuff. So I become a, a conservative through that wow. and then get interested in it, head out to Washington, D.C. And I'm wandering oh, around Capitol Hill with a seminary degree. And nobody will hire me. They keep telling me the chaplain's office is down the street. Go to the chaplain's office. Right? And I'm like, I actually want to work in public policy. Going to your point, the, 
the Christians aren't trained up in this stuff, right? right? Yeah. You either go into public yeah. policy, but if you're a pastor, you're supposed to go to the chaplain's right. office. Civic engagement, right. wielding <laughs> political power, Jeff, isn't right. that Christian idolatry? Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, that's what I ran into. And, and one senator gave me a shot, hmm. Rick Santorum. Oh, no way. So I worked for Rick, uh, worked on uh, a consulting firm. And you're uh, what? Connected with him. Late 20s? Uh, yeah, mid-20s nice. um, at that point. And then uh, worked on his presidential campaign, moved back to Colorado, worked on the Romney presidential campaign, and then um, uh, ended up through an ad agency managing the Centennial Institute's advertising, then went over and became their director. So uh, kind of a pathway, but uh, I I went from being tangentially pro-life to working for a leader that was on the nose, the tip of the spear, Rick Santorum. And he fully right. embraced it. It's probably the most important thing to him. Wow. If you read his book, It yeah. Takes a Family, which is a response to Hillary Clinton's It Takes a Village. <laughs> and um, and so it was that type of yeah. of leadership where you go, we got to lead on this issue yeah, yeah. that got me fired up. Wow. So, and then Rick ran for president, almost won yeah. uh, the nomination. Wow. You know, it was him and Romney. He won 11 states, yeah. came down to us, one of like one or two people that actually went over right. to the Romney operation. I could tell you all about that. Yeah. On the other side. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh no, Senator Santorum was a great leader and a big influence in my life. On so that. it was almost uh, the enemy overplaying his hand ideologically at Fuller yeah. that actually sort of like awoke your moral intuition yeah. to, wait, this is not right. <laughs> right. And I and I, I we actually engaged in a pretty serious battle uh, in the newspaper. And I think you had this kind of a similar experience at Westmont mm. where you kind of run up against not just. Christians that are not engaged, but Christians that are engaged on the other side. Oh, yeah. You know, well, they're like convinced they're, that they're doing the righteous thing. Right. And they're pushing from that direction. And you, you, and what I found is you do the slightest pushback. I remember we had this big fight and I actually reported him to the dean. We had this big thing. And, I, and I'm sitting there going, I'm just a student. And he's you know, raving and getting all angry and calling oh. me into his office. I go, You're like the slightest pushback. Against yeah. that type of worldview, they can't stand. Yeah, that's you right. know, and so it, yeah, it was uh, it was a liberal and Fuller is incredibly liberal. I mean, yeah. incredibly liberal, and, right. um, and so it's it's something that isn't necessarily something I wear with pride with yeah. regards to my conservative credentials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> well, because you know, I you know I was born and raised in, in California, Southern California, still live in Southern California. Was homeschooled through eighth grade, went to public high school, then went to Westmont. Yeah. So it's sort of that behind enemy lines mentality that you develop that you, like you have to be sharper. Yeah. And right. you have to be more on point because you're not amongst friends. Yeah. And you God unites people, of course, and uh, and that's wonderful. But you know, Colorado. I mean, you talk about a pro-abortion state. Yeah. You know, we're both kind of behind enemy lines, and so I, I want you to share with our listeners. I want you to talk about the work of Centennial Institute yeah. in particular because. We just had Dr. Everett Piper on the show, former right. president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Um, and I would say, I think, maybe one of the most pro-life Christian college presidents in the, in the country. Yeah. I mean, the guy literally brought a Save the Storks fan to oh, Oklahoma right. Wesleyan University, operated it as a part of the nursing program at OKWU, <laughs> and it saved over 100 babies oh, because students in the nursing program at the university we're helping operate it outside of an abortion center to save babies. Like what Christian college does that? You right, know? not many. But CCU many. is is often on my short list yeah. uh, when parents ask me, where do we send our kids? <laughs> you know, at speaking events, I'm like, well, not Westmont, okay? And then CCU often makes that list so much 
uh, because of, of, of you and because of Centennial Institute and the university. So share with us a little bit about uh, what Centennial Institute is, why it's unique and what you do. Yeah, well, CCU hasn't always had that reputation. In right. fact, in the 90s, it was a lot like most Christian colleges. Really? And there's there's an important wow, almost law of the universe that exists. Robert Conquest, who's a, a, a fellow at the Hoover Institute, calls this one of his three rules. That if an institution is not explicitly right-wing, it will drift to the left. Uh, totally. Okay? So totally. if you don't claim the banner, if you're not willing to say, that should be you will drift. Yeah. Right? And so that's that's one of the kind of laws of the universe. <laughs> so CCU was that way, uh, and it could barely make payroll. I mean, we hear stories of boards getting together to go, you know, how are wow. we going to pay the teachers? Because they, they were liberal and go woke, go broke yeah. type of thing. Yep. You know, that was happening in the 90s. It started to shift with the board. And then in 2006, they hired Bill Armstrong, who mm -hmm. Bill was a two-term U.S. senator from Colorado. Right. And kind of in the same vein as Jerry Falwell, uh, Jim Dobson, mm -hmm. you know, right. totally understood who he was and what he was fighting for. And he actually, this is really important for people to, listening to understand this. He came to faith after he was already in office. He's no almost way. like a Wilberforce. Really? Yeah. So he was elected, very talented politician. Came to faith. Conservative leanings, but not a man of faith. Yeah, but but these, these weren't his big things. Wow. Yeah, kind of conservative leaning. Um, but then got saved and became a real fighter on this wow. stuff. Similar to my experience, right? You start to see Christ's eyes. Yeah. It's through the world, through Christ's eyes, you, uh, you change. So uh, he set forth a series of strategic priorities, one of them being, so this is written down. Mm. And before he passed away, he said, I want this put in stone at the university. We are going to impact culture. So this is the university, not Centennial Institute. Okay. The university wow. is going to impact culture in support of traditional family values, the sanctity of life, compassion for the poor, biblical view of human values, human nature, wow. uh, natural law, personal freedom, limited government, original intent of the Constitution, and Western civilization. What a white nationalist. <laughs> I know. I know. A Christian nationalism now. <laughs> Whatever that, that stuff. means. Right. Yeah. right. So he goes, the university is going to be about this. The board accepts it. Um, and the Centennial Institute. So the board wasn't woke at that time. No, 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 no. The board, the board shifted before they even brought in uh, Bill Armstrong. Wow. And so and you see this. Oftentimes it goes the other way. Yeah. Right. The board starts to drift and then you start hiring yeah, woke yeah, yeah. presidents and stuff like that. <laughs> So uh, the Centennial Institute exists to implement that strategic priority. Wow. It's our job to go out there. And this is what I tell our students. This is what I tell our donors. We have to make change. Yeah. This is impact culture. It doesn't just say train students. It could yeah. have. But, you know, Jeff, um, you know, but Ed Stetzer and Tim Keller and Andy Stanley and Rick Warren and Brian Broverhorse, they all told me that God's sovereign and so what's going to happen is going to happen, Jeff. So <laughs> why are you getting so political? You know, you, you might turn that into an idol, Jeff, and then you'll be prostituting your faith to a political ideology. If God's sovereign, just let him do what he'll do. He'll work his ways, right? Why should we contend like that? I wonder if they would have read letters from a Birmingham jail in the <laughs> same light. I mean, honestly, I read it or reread it the other day. Um, that was a letter to pastors from Martin yeah. Luther King Jr., Right. And he's dealing with a lot of pastors that are telling him not to engage. Right. And kind of the same same thing. And one of those quotes in there is, when are we going to care more about what God thinks than what man thinks? Because yeah, okay. really what it is, that excuse is, I don't want to be not liked. Yeah, that's exactly I don't want to be right. disliked. Yeah. I, I want people to like me. I want to be friendly. I want to walk into a room and everyone's happy yeah. that I'm there. Um, I don't, you know, and the great reformers, 
God bless William Wilberforce yeah. and the Clapham community and, right. and those people that brought about change because it, it, there's not a lot of Christians that do that. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's few, but those few can make a big change. Dennis Prager gets into this. Yeah. You know, there are fighters in this world. There's not a lot of fighters. And if you're not going to be a fighter, you need to support the fighters. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But the fighters are the ones that need to change it. We're facing evil here. Yeah. This is what I think the American church is waking up to. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the United States was, when it was founded, was 88% Protestant. That's right. Okay. It was generally all the same culture. You had to express a statement of faith to run for public office. In many, in, yeah, in many of the constitutions. Yeah. We have a pocket constitution that lists those. You had to be part of certain churches or have a particular faith just yeah. to be a civic but leader. remember, where in the Constitution does it say that there's a separation of church and state? Yeah, right. Yeah, that? there's not. Um, it's a letter that, kind of an obscure letter, that didn't, was, you know, it was Thomas Jefferson's letter to the, to the Danbury, Danbury Baptist. Baptist but, 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 you know, that wasn't a prominent letter until recently. That's right. Yeah, you know? yeah. But so you have to understand the cultural issues here. And we, we had Mark David Hall in one of our movies talk about this. Mm-hmm. You had 88% Protestants at the... So you generally... that People may have not have been Bible-believing, church-attending Christians, but everyone generally had the same That's right. values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? It's a Judeo-Christian social fabric. Right. Limited government. Yeah. Right? And generally, people wanted limited government. They wanted strong families. That's they understood right. that parents were in charge of yeah. a child's education. There wasn't the statist mentality that existed we're now in a place where you cannot remain neutral with regards to who's on the school board who's in the city council who's on county commissioners Um, they're not going to have the same this is in the 50s and 60s where uh, type a or candidate a is just a little different than candidate b which is a little different than candidate c but generally they're not going to do anything radical that's right you have huge gulfs uh, canyons of difference yeah, it couldn't be more in different. their value. And frankly, right it's now. kind of always been like that. I mean, you could you could compare the platform of the Democrat Party to the RNC decades ago, mm-hmm. and it was still pretty radical. Now yeah. it's like, it, it, I don't know if you could get more radical, right? right. But, but you know, you're exactly right. Neutrality is never an option. It's that Ellie Weisel line, right? The Holocaust mm-hmm. survivor who wrote the book Night. He mm-hmm. said, we must always take sides. Silence uh, encourages uh, the, uh, the tormentor never the oppressed. Um, But the problem is, is that most people don't wake up to their obligation to contend until it's too late. That's one of the tragic lessons of history. Whereas like you and I and your students, you know, have been discipled into a robust sort of civic ethic, Mm -hmm. which we really just call stewardship. Right. Political exactly. abdi- political involvement. Bonhoeffer once said that political action means taking on responsibility. This cannot happen without power. Mm-hmm. Power is to serve responsibility. Or Spider-Man's uncle, with great power <laughs> comes great responsibility. Or Jesus of Nazareth, to whom much is given, much That's is required. So, you know, political content- contending for the Christian is really just stewardship. Yeah. You'd be given such a gift here. But see, the enemy always moves slowly, right? Mm-hmm. Things happen gradually, then suddenly, just yeah. like bankruptcy. Because if you move too quick, uh, then the good people might wake up to the agenda. Yeah. So you have to move very slowly. It's what the left calls the long walk through the institutions. Uh, so you and I have been awakened to those realities for a while. But how do we get to that position to wake up the next generation and the church to recognize that not only is the evil at our door, yeah. it's in our living room. And w- how does Centennial Institute and CCU sort of contend in that? Well, it's, it's, that's a big mountain to climb. 
All right, this is not something that we turn over easily. That's First right. of all, one thing we have to understand as Christians is that we don't live under a Caesar. Um, this is often a critique you probably get is, well, you need to obey the law and you need to obey the Caesar governing and, and, and the right, governing authority. Keep and stuff your like church that. shut. <laughs> and, and you go, well, we live in a very unique time where we're a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. It's right. the people that lead. And we're ceding a lot of these responsibilities, especially during this pandemic, oh my gosh. where you have unelected bureaucrats, yeah. that, not people that were elected, yeah, yeah. unelected bureaucrats that are telling Dr. churches to shut down. Frankenstein Fauci is the most dangerous uh, he's the most dangerous politician in American history. And he is a politician. He yeah. acts like a politician. Yeah. He is a politician. He's public health. Public means political. But he's unelected and unaccountable. Right. It's the unaccountability that's fascinating because someone that's elected has to weigh all of these different you know, needs. You have the economic needs. You have labor needs. You have education needs. You have, but if you're yeah. just a, a, a bureaucrat that works for a science first With type of mentality, yeah, yeah. then you can just shut things down based upon only your perspective or view of science, which yeah. now they're not even allowing to question. So first things first, you need to understand we live in a radically unique time in America, in, in world history, mm. where we have a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. It's the people. And we're so ignorant when it comes to actually how things change, how laws are written, yeah. how things are governed how your curriculum for your kids yeah. is established, that that we have years, decades of work to do to train up <laughs> yeah. people to get involved. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. The next generation, example. right. I'll, I'll give you a perfect right. example. We had this huge fight in Colorado State Legislature over House Bill 1032, Comprehensive Sex Education, right? So sex education is going to be taught to every kid in public education, yeah, Which right? goes back to Alfred Kinsey and Planned Parenthood. That's the point. People don't understand this, Okay. Uh, we're, those of us that are in politics go, well, Planned Parenthood's running this whole thing. They're funding yep. the candidates. So let's go back to the basics. They're funding the candidates to get the office. So they're writing the checks to get these people elected. Okay. Now they're in office. These people are citizen legislatures. They don't write bills. They're not, you know, attorneys that sit there and go line by line through stuff. Right. They, they have other jobs. They work part time. That's kind of a good thing, but they're not experts. Yep. So where does this bill come from? didn't come from legislators. It came from Planned Parenthood. So they elect the people, they write the bill. And I even asked the House Minority Leader one time in Colorado this question. I said, it doesn't even feel like the, the legislators are in control down here. Yeah. It feels like Planned Parenthood's in control yeah. down here. Right. And he goes, Jeff, if I want to negotiate an amendment, I don't even call the other side. I call the ACLU or I call Planned Parenthood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? So there's, there's Gone are the bidding. days of I am a bill. Of right, bill. exactly. Like, that's not how it works anymore. <laughs> you have all these special interests that are driving us. Yeah. And what's the point? What is Planned Parenthood doing? Why are they interested in, in comprehensive sex education? Business, mm -hmm. right? They're creating customers. So if you can go to a 12 year old and say, you know what, there's no real restrictions on sexuality. Go out there and have sex with whoever you want. Yeah. Because Planned Parenthood will be here to clean up the mess afterwards, yeah, right. right? And we'll take the money. Yeah. And so yeah. it, it's an entire industry. It's been building mm -hmm. since 1973, even prior to that. That's right. So you have decades of build of growth. That's right. You have infrastructure. You have funding. Yeah. You have all these things going in. And they are united. They are united. We are fragmented. Yeah. That's the point. The left will always take the side of the abortion industry. 
every time. There's like these tiny little minorities of, of, of progressive <laughs> pro-lifers. They're very strange. They're a very strange phenomenon. I know very some of them. Small. It's yeah. like, I guess I'm grateful that you're in, acknowledging certain aspects of natural law, but you haven't really come home yet. But for the most part, the left always takes the side of the abortion yeah. industry. Yeah. Whereas the, whatever we call the right or conservatism, I mean, like if David French is a conservative, then I'm a communist. Like I have no <laughs> idea what that even means anymore. But like we're so fragmented. Yeah. We're so fragmented. Yeah. And we can't, we so often, we so rarely unify together for one collective purpose, which if it was to be anything, ought to be life. Yep. Because if 100%. you don't get the right to life right, you won't get any other rights right. And we don't understand that for the left, abortion is their high sacrament. It, it is the sacrament of secular progressivism. It it's the most like, important thing. Is, that's you're right. right. It's the highest. But to this point, so... So the youth, sex you, ed. So you have this entire industry, you have this entire mechanism that's driving us power and control and that's its, you know, tentacles yeah. way throughout... And you and I are trying. You and I are trying to go to a church to say, "Hey, would you mind doing a pro-life Sunday?" <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Can yeah. you just talk yeah. once about pro-life yeah. one Sunday out of the year? That's right. So we go down to the Capitol, and there's like maybe five of us dealing with this Leviathan yeah, right. that has its tentacles through everything. And, and so we've yeah. got to go way back. And I mean, our expectations are so low in the church because we've had such <laughs> such uh, cowards as shepherds for so long that like when a pastor does preach on life on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday and gives the Pregnancy Resource Center a table in the foyer, the congregants go, woohoo, our church is so pro-life. Yeah. It's like, dude, that was your, that was your standard yeah. for a politically right. involved pro-life church? That's pathetic, dude. You know what I mean? But right. our standards are so low now. Yep, you're exactly right. I mean, you're lucky to get that. So that's that's the reality of what we're so, dealing so with. So what's Centennial Institute doing with young people, huh? And, and how's that bearing fruit? And what are you guys doing with the next generation? Yeah, so the critical thing is you've got to get them, uh, you've got to recognize that there are some people, if we can go back to basic one, there are people that are gifted by God to be Seth Gruber. There are people that are gifted by God to go into the public square there's not even pastors that will engage with that, right? Oh, yeah. Like if, you and I have talked about this. It, it, there's always the example of like using politics as an idolatry. It's like the one thing, you know, I sit in these churches and it's like, you know, we don't want to engage in idolatry and, and politics is an example of idolatry. Right. And they never bring up accountants, business people, <laughs> right, sports right, right. or athletes sure. or anything else. It's always a politics. Right. So we live in this kind of world where like you're constantly defamed yeah, yeah, yeah. by, by right. pastors. Um so if we can get to the level of just recognizing that there are people like Justin, who's a CCU student here with us in the studio, we have 50 students here. Okay, the, you know, we have 9,000 students at, at CCU, but we have 50 that are here. That's yeah. great. Uh, tell our listeners how many came in 2020. Yeah, we had nearly 200. Yeah, okay, so that. we were the university that was called to lead it, yeah. and that got expensive. So yeah. part of the reason <laughs> it's a little smaller, not because we don't want I more remember students. Your fundraising email. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. It's a lot to bring a lot of students yeah, yeah, out here. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but, but you have some in the churches, you have Christians that God has equipped yeah. to go make a difference. Yeah. Can we just start by not bullying them all the time? Yeah. Then can we do some things to empower them? Mm. Say, you know what? I'm really glad you're thinking of running for school board. Yeah. You know, let's make sure you have a Christian worldview. That's right. Let's, I'm really glad you're thinking about running for county commissioner or Congress or Senate or somebody. So let's let's think about ways that we can actually educate. Yeah. You know, the, I think it's a total restriction of free speech that pastors can't endorse. Yeah. But I understand that that's the law right now. And, you know, they're a little. So 
But don't let that be the excuse. You don't do anything. That's right. You yeah. can do a lot of things. Oh, a lot. Yeah. A lot of things on issues. But the one thing you can definitely do is make sure your congregation's educated on how things even work. How it works. We don't Registered even know how vote. things work. Yeah, yeah. So those are some of the basics. But uh, training up students to be engaged civically. My wife went to Westmont. She would often say she was student body president. Oh, we wow. were the heads of the alumni committee out here in Washington, D.C. Were you really? Well, but my wife would often say she was never exposed to the conservative worldview until she got to the Heritage Foundation. Isn't that, she was isn't an intern that sick? Isn't that okay. Sick? And, you know, she could tell you yeah. about her interactions with professors. But most universities aren't going to get into Russell mm -hmm. Kirk, Edmund Burke, the foundations, the intellectual yeah. foundations. I wrote an op-ed about this yeah, recently. Thomas Paine. Yeah. The important, it, it's really critical. You, in the conservative movement, you need the intellectuals and you yeah. need the grassroots. Right. Okay, So the intellectuals get the foundational principles right. of why we are who we are. Um, without that, you get Tommy Loren, right? Where <laughs> yeah, Tommy yeah. goes on The View she's and says, -choice, right. says she's a pro-choice conservative. conservative. <laughs> that, that doesn't exist. Yeah, that's right? Right. We believe in permanent things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We believe in foundational truths. One of those is that life begins yeah. at, at, at right. the moment of... Um, so, Jeff, conception. I love CCU because you guys are so committed to actually asserting standards yeah, um, and then teaching why those standards are good, mm -hmm. right, and beautiful, um, and then actually equipping the next generation to contend for those standards. Mm -hmm. So my listeners know this story. Let me just tell it to you briefly because I don't know if I've told you before. Actually, two quick vignettes. Okay, so Deborah Dunn, Communication Studies Department Head, Westmont <laughs> College. Yes, I name names on this show because she should be fired. And I get an email as a Communication Studies minor, Jeff, advertising internships. They just advertise internships. Well, it was with Planned Parenthood. So I'm, I'm, I'm a sophomore wow. or junior at Westmont. This was 2012, 2013. Get the email from Deborah Dunn. Internship opportunity. And it's, it's, with, um, it's for Lois Katz. <laughs> okay, and she's a radical pro-abortion yeah. politician in Santa Barbara. Um, and so, you know, I go, well, wait a second. This is a little bit strange, uh, Dr. Dunn. I, I don't know why you'd be advertising internship opportunities with Planned Parenthood lackeys. Um, because none of, everything she stands for is antithetical to the Christian worldview. And your motto, Westmont, is Christus Prumatum Tenens, Christ preeminent in all things. Question, was he preeminent in all things from the prenatal stage? Was he preeminent as God, as a prenatal human being? Because if he was, then I don't know what the heck you're doing. This is borderline heresy. Yeah. Well, she didn't like that very much. And so Dr. <laughs> Dunn responded, I have it, I'll use it in a book one day, Jeff. And she says, Seth, it may surprise you to learn that there are many thoughtful and inspiring Christians who have thoughts that differ from you on this matter. <laughs> thoughtful and inspiring Christians that are pro-choice. Very interesting. Uh, uh, tell me, so were, were racist, slave-owning Christians thoughtful and inspiring, Dr. Dunn? Because right. uh, those injustices are run for the same reasons. Mm -hmm. Second vignette, Dr. Gail Beebe. Mm -hmm. I hold dead baby photo signs on campus, getting a bunch of hot water. They're all pissed off with me. He asked for a meeting with me. I'm a junior. I'm sitting in a meeting with Dr. Gail Beebe, who's still the sitting president of Westmont College. Mm -hmm. And I just asked him one question. Dr. Beebe, why won't Westmont take a position on abortion? You, I mean, you hire pro-abortion professors and you take no mm -hmm. position on abortion. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, Seth, there's a lot of issues and you can't expect us to take a position on all of them equating the greatest human rights violation in human history with just all That's those other issues. That's such a deflection. So just, just as a sort of a comparison, right, yeah. with, with the crisis of in Christian academia, compare that to CCU yeah, and right. Centennial Institute. But see, the left needs the next generation. The California Teachers Association recently got in hot water exposed by Abigail Schreier, who, who, who audio was leaked great, to, who then released it. Author. The California Family Council covered our friends Greg Burt and Jonathan Keller. 
and basically the California Teachers Association was training uh, teachers to form leftist clubs and hide the enrollment list from parents. Yeah. Uh, and part of the audio that got re- released entailed the reasoning and rationale behind what they were doing and ready because, quote, youth are the drivers of change. Mm-hmm. Youth are the drivers no, of change. No, I mean, that's the key. I mean, so that's what I, they I, need. So if they need the youth, yep. and if we're going to win the American culture war and the pro-life issue, we have to get the next generation. Yeah, I, I think at this point... Um, you're hard pressed as a parent to want to keep your kids in government run schools. Ridiculous. Why? I yeah. mean, it, because they're so indoctrinated. And, and you know, for, as much as we have issues with Ben Sass on certain things, uh, sure. he, he wrote a book about the fall of education under John Dewey mm-hmm. and the rise of the expert class within education. Right. So they're experts. And we see this playing out right now. You know, it, 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 the experts that exist uh, in education want think they know what's best as opposed to parents. Right. And um, and there are great schools out there. Our kids go to a Hillsdale charter school. Hillsdale's Wonderful. putting these yeah. charter schools out all over the country. Just heard about that, yeah. And my wife and I literally skip out of the classroom dancing yeah. after parent-teacher night right. because it's just basic quality education. That's right. There's the agendas mm-hmm. there to turn your kids into leftists and socialists, yeah. which is more important you follow Denver school board issues, that's more important to them yeah. than math, science, oh, yeah. reading, yeah. any of those standards. Yeah. You know, So it's about an agenda. And you as a parent need to understand that. That's right. And I, I think you're hard-pressed, even in some good conservative communities, to keep your kids in government-run that's schools. Right. There are alternatives out there. There's good charter schools, yeah. which yeah. are maybe publicly funded, yeah. but they're parent-run. And that's different. Right. So... You know, uh, yeah. look for alternatives. I can't tell you the number of students that started as a freshman with me at, at Westmont mm-hmm. that were more conservative and pro-life and were like pumped that I was asking people to sign up for my pro-life club on, on the sheet. Yeah. And then by junior, senior year, they're all pro-choice. And I'm like, what in the world just happened? Right. <laughs> right? So right. yeah, don't you're playing Russian roulette with your kids' values if you send them to even many allegedly Christian schools today. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, as we sort of wind down, tell us um, a little bit about the battle for life in Colorado. Yeah. I remember a couple years ago, actually less, um, the Colorado had on the ballot whether they were going to protect the gray wolf as well as whether they were going to ban uh, abortions after 22 weeks and they voted overwhelmingly to allow abortions after 22 weeks and voted overwhelmingly to introduce more gray wolves into Colorado fulfilling G.K. Chesterton's prophetic line that wherever there is animal worship there will be human sacrifice um, what does the battle look like for life right now in, in Colorado? Uh, it's going to be big I think you, you're facing the same thing in California so we're going to be in place this is what we're preparing our students for we're going to be in one of the most radically pro-choice states in the nation so if, mm. if Roe v. Wade falls, if Dobbs successful, the battles for the states are going to become even bigger. All yeah. the most of the Midwest and Southern states will ban abortion almost entirely. We'll be yeah. um, we'll be ones that right. parade it. What I think is going to happen, you know, is Planned Parenthood is probably going to buy property, you know, ten minutes offsite offsite of DIA, and they're going to run vans twenty four hours a day as people fly in. We've already seen a five hundred percent increase in people coming in from Texas. To get abortions in the state of Colorado, five hundred percent, five hundred percent in some abortion facilities. So, and what is that? An eight-hour drive? Uh, probably yeah, about an eight-hour drive, or you know, maybe less than a two-hour plane flight. Disgusting. So that's what we as pro-lifers need to be prepared for: yeah. is this kind of airdrop in women facing crises and evil institutions like Planned Parenthood, you know, slithering them and pulling them into these uh, institutions that are going to damage them for the rest of their lives and murder an innocent baby. So um, that's going to be the challenge. Uh, 
Right now, uh, the left has almost total control in the state of Colorado, similar to what you do in California. It's hard to make a change. It is. It is. And we have, we have culture and, and we have cultural work to do. And that's what I love about CCU for Life. So CCU for Life is our student pro-life group. It is one of the largest student groups in our entire university. No, it's so very different experience than what you did over there was one. You know, they're at rallies. Yeah, and what I, what I also love about CCU is the president supports. The president's coming out to march with all of our students. Amazing. How great is that? Yeah. You know, and he spoke at the Denver March for Life rally. Wow. And we're paying half of the cost for the students to come out here. The wow. university is. <laughs> so, you know, like we, we want these. But these yeah. CCU for Life kids recognize that there are legal challenges and legal changes that we need to make. But they're ministering to the moms as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're seriously engaged in there. And I know you had Christine Yergen on. Yeah. She's a friend who lives real close to the university. Yeah. Um, it's that type of work as well. That's so we've right. got a lot of work to do. That's right. uh, people, need, people need to understand it took over for 60 years right. to turn England around. Um, and it was a small group that did it. Yeah. But they changed it over time. That's the way this is going to head. I mean, yeah. uh, people are seeing, their, their eyes are opening to the viciousness of abortion to the pain, lifelong pain that that causes the mom right. involved in these decisions as well. So um, I have hope. Uh, we've got great students that are that are being trained up to do this. They want to be a part of this. That's the other thing. That's right. You yeah. know, it's not it's not like we have to go out there and beg students to come to DC yeah, with us. They're, eager, yeah. they're so pumped up. I mean, they've got a great robust CCU for Life club. They're doing things. They're active. That's the generation I see. That's right. And you just need institutions, universities. Yeah. And going back to that first thing that I said, that the rule of politics, if you're not explicitly right-wing, you're going to drift. Well, we're explicitly pro-life. In yeah, fact, yeah. I was talking with the vice presidents and the president the other day. So why don't we aim? What if we aim to be the most pro-life university in America? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, let's do it. You know, so that's what we're trying to claim. Yeah. And if we can do that, then we're going to be raising up the next generation. That's right. That's right. It is the long game. It is the right. long game. Conservatives sometimes in the last year have gotten disgruntled and frustrated and disappointed. You know, for example, if we when we didn't recall Newsom and get Larry Elder in there. And a lot of that people sort of tapped out and they were yeah. sort of like, oh, I'm done. You know, we worked so hard. It's like, guys, take a page out of the left, man. Yeah. Go go have a pity party for one night <laughs> right. and then wake back up the next day and go again. I mean, you look at the, the pot-smoking wannabe Texas governor, uh, you know, what what's his name again? Beto. Beto O'Rourke, <laughs> right? Runs against, remember, runs against Cruz in yeah. 16, loses. Runs for president, loses. And now he's going to run for governor. Uh, you got Stacey Abrams. You know, she's like, I'm just going to try again. They yeah. just try again and again and again and again. <laughs> Hillary Clinton. I mean, gosh, that woman does not go away. <laughs> and they're all pro-abortion. They care yeah. so much more about their liturgy. Yep. Which, which their liturgy, by the way, originally meant public work. That's what liturgy meant. Really? Public work. Wow. The people of God contending for the work of God um, in the public square, right? Public. Um, the left has a far more robust definition of liturgy than the church does. Mm -hmm. For liturgy, for us, is like public, public psalm reading and drinking lattes after church. It's like, that's not liturgy. Go participate <laughs> in the work of God for the glory of God. Amen. And the left Amen. participates in their work for their own glory mm -hmm. because abortion is their high sacrament, which right goes back to the first lie. For God knows that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be mm -hmm. open and ye shall be as gods. Could there be another issue that more deifies yourself into a modern God who gets to decide who lives and who dies than mm -hmm. abortion itself? So as I often say, Jeff, the church needs to wake up and realize that we're not contending against an alternative politics. We're contending against an alternative religion Amen. that exactly masquerades right. as politics yep. to keep the politically um, neutral 
and impotent pastor silent who yeah. so fear the label politics that they'll abdicate on an actual genocide just mm -hmm. so they won't be labeled political. Yeah. So yeah. praise God that you're a political hack attending <laughs> for righteousness in life. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I can do no other. I almost feel like oftentimes, you know, we all kind of run into this. You get discouraged. You're like, oh, maybe I'll go sell cars or you know, something <laughs> like that. Um, and I just, I can't do anything else, especially on the abortion thing. This yeah, is the most important thing to me. This is why I'm so proud of you, brother. I'm glad of what you stood for it and did at Westmont yeah, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wasn't aware of a lot of it and I wish I was because I would have yeah. been in as an alum, been right there with you. Yeah. Um, well, you're inspiring, Jeff. You're an inspiration. So are your students, uh, because you're you're a reminder that that moral courage requires exercising. Right. Right. Just as physical atrophy occurs through not using your muscles, moral atrophy occurs through not using your voice. Yeah. And remember, that's that famous line from Screw Tape to mm. Wormwood. Right. He says, as the humans have said. Active habits are strengthened by repetition, but passive ones are weakened. Mm -hmm. The longer he, the man that they're trying to demonize, right? The longer yeah. he feels without acting, the less he will be able ever to act. Mm -hmm. And in the long run, the less he will be able to feel. That by feeling and believing all the right things, but refusing to contend for those things and respond to the evil that you see, <clears throat> it actually atrophies your moral compass and fiber until you're not even useful at all. Mm. And then you're perfectly fine making peace with evil because you become such a little degenerate blob. Wow. And so you're so encouraging because you've been exercising that moral muscle for so long. And then fruit comes from that. Right? So just as cowardice is contagious, so is courage. Mm. Um, and we need a lot more courageous men like you in this moment. So thank yeah, you for yeah. contending for life. Thank you for building that culture at CCU. I, I, I guess I should say I'm glad I went to Westmont simply because it matured me mm -hmm. because I was behind enemy, enemy lines just like Fuller did to you. <laughs> right. But I certainly wish Westmont wasn't what it was. And so we need dozens more CCUs. How can people connect with Jeff Hunt, Centennial Institute, and CCU, especially parents who listen to this who are wondering where to send their kids to college? Well, brother, I think that speech you just gave is what you should give on the main stage of the Western Conservative <laughs> Summit this year. So we were going to host, we haven't announced any of our speakers, but we're going to announce one of them today. Uh, and gonna, tell us about the summit. Yeah, so the summit's the largest annual gathering of conservatives in the Western United States. It's this very unique event event because it pulls together intellectual conservatives, which are really important with grassroots conservatives. Because mm. without grassroots conservatives, you never have any change. That's right. It's, it's just ideas. It's just ideas and dinner parties and <laughs> political science conferences. So um, uh, we combine them. Yeah. So at no other place in the country do you have Donald Trump Jr. and uh, Robert George on the same stage. You That's know, like, right. That's it's right. kind of right. cool. Yeah. Right. And a lot of people go, not well, even Charlie Kirk's America Fest will We'll unite those different, <laughs> right? You know. And I love Charlie, and we'll, we'll, we're going to try to get Charlie oh, yeah, back. He's precious, but but that's the one thing that I really like about the summit is you do have that because most people come for uh, the grassroots leaders, the Don Juniors, right, the Brigitte right. Gabriels, the Diamond and Silks, and then they're introduced to the kind of deep thinkers right. when it comes to the conservative that's movement. Right. Um, so uh, go to centennial.ccu.edu, learn about all that stuff. Centennial.ccu.edu. Um, we always have a. We always try to include a pro-life speaker every year. We've had Kristen Hawkins. We've had um, Abby Johnson. Uh, Abby Johnson. We've had Lila Rose. Yeah. All these friends. And so my eye's been on this guy <laughs> for this year. So uh, that's June second and third, June third and fourth. Sorry, at the Gaylord. June third and fourth at the Gaylord uh, in Denver, Colorado. But um, yeah, support the work that we're doing. Be a part of of attending some of the events. Yeah. Some of our publications. Um, and, and come to come to these activities. Get to hear Seth live in person. That's important. And we have a lot of students that will get to hear from him 
And that, that's why I get really excited. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. Praise God, brother. Well, it's good to be on the front lines with you. Um, we're in D.C. right now recording this. Yeah. So I'll see you on the battlefield. And tomorrow. Uh, go out there and give them heaven. Yeah, we'll go out to march. The largest, media will never cover this. The largest human rights rally in the world is the March for Life. Yeah, Nearly 100,000, right. I think. Yeah. Mostly well, young it's, people. It's been a lot more than that in past years. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, it's mostly young people. That's right. And the media will just watch. The media ignores this entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yes. Awesome. Keep it up, brother. Grateful brother, for you. God bless you and your family. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thank you guys for joining the show today. Uh, head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Give the show a rating and review. It really helps us reach more people. Follow the Centennial Institute, Colorado Christian University, uh, as well as uh, Jeff Hunt online. He has good commentary as a son of Issachar, a man who understands the times and knows what we should uh, do. And uh, yes, I, I will publicly endorse Colorado Christian University. Put it on your short list of schools to look at and consider to send uh, your children to if you plan on sending them to university at all. Um, it, you won't be playing Russian roulette with their values at Colorado Christian University, that's for, for certain. If you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash unaborted. Uh, check out the perks and tiers. You just help crowdfund us, help us create better content, types of content, guests we can have on, and more man-on-the-street content to apply the ideas into the real world with people who have virtually never used their mind before or thought deeply about these issues and been exposed to the pro-life case, the conservative case, the natural law case, um, and preventing us from doing what we've been doing for 49 years this month, putting in place the premises that justify our own enslavement. For a country that denies the natural right to life to an entire class of human beings cannot be trusted to protect any other right that flows from that first and most important of all rights. That's why we love Jeff Hunt and Centennial Institute. They see the big 30,000-foot political and cultural game, and they're contending for righteousness, committed to the long game, the long walk through the institutions to steward this republic we've been given. For we will give an account to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for how we stewarded what we were given. So thank you for joining the show today. We'll be releasing more exciting interviews with people much more exciting than myself while we're in D.C. here. We'll see you next week. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Unaborted. <laughs>